It is hot outside, but the news from H-Town is even hotter. From new courts that could help ease overcrowding issues inside Harris County jails to a high-profile trial heading to Houston. Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz and writer Shiam Galyan join me to help break it all down. It's Friday, June 16th. I'm Raheel Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Oh yeah, we've got a long weekend on the horizon, but first we're going to recap a busy week in the city of Houston. Shiam, welcome in and welcome back. It's been a while. How are you? Raheel, it's so great to be back. Thank you so much. I'm doing great. I just finished like a three-week road trip across the country, and I'm so happy to be back in Houston where I'm not going to drive for a few weeks. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Evan, how are you? I'm doing great. You know, I did not go on a big road trip, but I did go to D.C. for work. uh, And I got to say, I much prefer being at home. Nice, nice. Hey, I've got a quick question for y'all. So we had an episode yesterday about the best things to do in the city of Houston for kids during the summer. So do you have a recommendation for us, Evan? Uh, Yes. Send them to their grandparents. Okay. There we go. No, no. I I kid. I kid. (laughs) The museums. Absolutely the museums during the summer. They're air conditioned. I highly recommend getting a membership. They pay for itself. Kids love seeing giant dinosaurs and giant drills at the science museum. You can do the children's museum, even the art museum, the first floor of the kinder building with that big wiggle screen. My kids can Mm -hmm. stand in front of that thing for hours. It's great. I love it. All right, Shiam, how about you? What was your favorite thing to do in the city of Houston as a kid growing up? You know, my family was big into parks. And I got to say that the park that parents should know about for the summer is Sugarland's Cullinan Park. Nice. Okay, perfect. All right, so let's get to the biggest story of the week. Ladies first, Shiam, what do you got for us? So I think the biggest story this week for me is that the Texas Attorney General is suing the Biden administration over Title IX, and it has to do with trans students playing in sports at the high school level, also at the university level. Um, During the most recent Texas legislature, they passed a state bill prohibiting trans students from playing in sports. Uh, The Biden administration under Title IX protections protects LGBTQ students, including which includes trans students, in being able to play in sports. So what this lawsuit means is that it's possible for schools to lose federal funding uh, if they Mm -hmm. do decide to discriminate against trans students. But the reason why it's the biggest story for me is that it's just been really hard to watch these past few years, the attacks on trans people in the United States. And the sports issue comes up a lot. And so I feel like since this is in the news in Texas, people listening to this podcast, it might come up, you know, in conversations around the dinner table and you might hear it more. And I just want to say that the, the bottom line is that this is not a good faith bill that while there are probably things to talk about, that we can talk about it together. And it doesn't have to be in a way that is so clearly bad faith and meant to dehumanize an entire group of people. Any thoughts, Evan? 
And, you know, when you look at polling, you can see over the past couple of years, while Americans have become more open and tolerant and accepting of trans Americans, they've actually moved backwards on this issue of trans students playing sports. But whenever we talk about this, it reminds me of the fight over Sharia law. Remember when Texas was under threat of Sharia law and the legislature is going to pass some bills banning Sharia law? Like, are we safe from Sharia law yet? Like, did we fight? Did we win? Like, what happened there? Or when Texas was going to pass a constitutional amendment and succeeded banning same-sex marriage to protect all of us from same-sex marriage. Got overturned by the Supreme Court. Now we have same-sex marriage. Did any of this matter? Just these wedge issues, these big moral panics that politicians seize on have very little to do with the actual day-to-day lives of Americans if they affect us at all in the slightest. So I view this as one of those things. Let the individual schools and school districts come up with their own policies, I think. And I think you'll find this issue will go away pretty quickly if you stopped having big, scary cable news headlines about it. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is it's really a case by case scenario, right? Whether it be on a school level, a district level, it's not impacting everybody to the point where we have to create this panic. And that's the frustrating part, Shiam, is now a group is being targeted because of the panic created. Mm hmm. And this is just one of the state bills that was passed during the the legislature targeting trans students. And the reason why I chose it as my top story is because it just it actually has brought back memories as growing up as a young Muslim kid in Texas. And, you know, one of the things is that, like, this panic around trans people has been happening for a couple of years now. And the point of it is to normalize it. There's many other groups in the United States who have gone through this same process. And it's really important to constantly say, this is not okay. This is how you can talk about it when it comes up. And really the goal should be to disarm people's fear because there are people who are interested in keeping you afraid. Mm-hmm. All right, Evan, let's get to your biggest story of the week. What do you got? Oh, I think the biggest news is obvious. It's that big felony trial involving that famous politician. And no, not Trump, Ken Paxton. For those who don't know, since 2015, Ken Paxton has been facing felony charges for white collar crime, trying to get people to invest in a company without disclosing that he owned 100,000 shares of stock in it. That is illegal and he faces up to 99 years behind bars. But the original charges were brought by a grand jury in Collin County, where Paxson is from. The original judge had to recuse himself because of conflict of interest. Ken Paxson's a noble politician. Everybody there knows him. The trial got moved to Harris County as an independent location. Paxton sued or a, a complaint saying that they did not have the right to move the trial. It's been going back and forth forever. And finally, the Court of Criminal Appeals, the highest court of criminal issues in Texas, we have our separate Supreme Court, uh, has said, no, it's perfectly appropriate to move this to Harris County. So hopefully we'll finally see Paxton go to trial. His defenders will say that finally he'll be vindicated and shown innocent. Everyone else will say, no, it's pretty clear he did this. But I just want to see this trial come to a conclusion. When do you think it starts? I think it's supposed to start relatively soon. I mean, we know that the impeachment proceedings are going to start sometime before the end of August. But it's worth noting that one of the articles of impeachment against him was based around his attempts to delay this trial. Wow. So Houston is going to be home to one of the highest profile trials. And we'll see what happens. The move here, what does that mean for Paxton? 
I mean, for Paxton, he and his defenders would say that this is unfair. It's a bunch of dang libs on the jury that he's not going to get a fair trial. But if you're in Collin County, he'd have a bunch of people who may be related to him, connected to him professionally, politically in one way or another. Now, I think that trial by jury is one of the best and highest examples of a free and open society and a democratic society. Twelve random people get to be on that jury and they get to decide whether he's guilty or innocent. I think that's really uh, noble and it's something that we miss, particularly as sometimes we start to look more towards experts, more towards some sort of academic elites to find answers. But sometimes those real questions of guilt and innocence come down to not just a technical reading of the law, but a general sense of what justice is. And I think 12 people will find that. All right. My biggest story of the week is actually the hottest story of the week that everybody's talking about and is literally the hottest story of the week. And it is the weather outside. We are about to enter a high pressure system that is going to just park heat over us. We're going to be hitting some unusually high highs over the weekend. And by the way, this is scientifically confirmed now because Climate Central says that the weather in Houston is 4.2 degrees hotter than it was from the range of 1970 to uh, 2022. So we are literally hotter as a city now and we can feel it. And usually this temperature range doesn't start till July or August, but we've already hit some crazy days. On average, 53 days are hotter than the average. So I mean, we are just getting blistered right now with some heat waves. So be safe out there, please. The city has opened up cooling stations. ERCOT, by the way, has issued their first weather watch of the year. So be careful in terms of, you know, those rolling blackouts that we're afraid of, the brownouts, all that stuff. So it could be a crazy weekend. I just wanted to let everyone know this is nuts, okay? We are burning up in the city already. No, it is insane. My tomatoes are literally cooking on the vine. I go out into the garden and it smells like marinara. Hey, that's not Oh my a bad God, thing. Evan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So well, as you were as you were saying that, Raheel, I kept imagining we my friend and I have standing seats for the Houston Dash game this weekend, and I just imagined us sizzling under the sun. And I was like, oh man, drinks are gonna have to be on me because Raheel's telling me that that we're going to have heat strokes or something. But I, I, to be like jokes aside, what I'm really hearing is that we really need to be careful and, and monitor yeah. the heat. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get to our most overlooked story of the week. Shian, what do you got for us? My most underlooked story this week is how Texas Governor Greg Abbott has sent a bus of migrants to Los Angeles. It arrived late Wednesday night. And this was hard to read about and I felt was like an underlooked story for a few reasons. One, this has been going on for a while. Um, and similar to my top story, when things have been going on for a while, it it can kind of become part of the everyday. And this is still, it's not normal. Two, because after Biden ended the COVID era border policy, which said, hey, we're going to turn away anyone who wants to seek asylum, like they don't even get a court date or anything. There was an expectation that the border would be flooded with people again. And that hasn't happened. So the 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 Texas-Mexico border has been kind of a quiet issue. But there are like there are still people crossing, trying to seek asylum. And after the COVID era policy ended, our current 
federal policy has become even stricter. And we do need more attention on it. Um, You know, people have the right to seek asylum. And after traveling for so long, being put on a bus and then sent to a completely different city to make a political point, it really just speaks to the state of the Texas Republican Party. Evan, any thoughts? No, I was just reading the book One Billion Americans by Matt Iglesias, which argues to make America a bigger country, bigger population, so we can maintain a sense of global leadership through the 21st century. And one thing he keeps pointing out throughout it is that there's all this fear around immigrants and their impact on economics and job markets and all this stuff. But when you dig into it, immigration has a overwhelmingly net positive effect on the cities where people move to. And I just can't help but feel like that shipping people away from our state is shooting ourselves in the foot. You know, you grow an economy through two ways, either by adding people or adding productivity. If you got a bunch of folks coming here saying, I want to work, I want to get a home, I want to climb that economic ladder, like let them. That is good for us. That's good for everyone. And it just feels like the politics and imagery is leading the way rather than actually sitting down and thinking, huh, what can we do that's good for Texas? Really good point there. Really good point. Evan, let's stick with you. What is your most overlooked story? I think the most overlooked story is that Greg Abbott signed a bill adding new courts to Harris County, six new criminal courts and one new civil court. And for the past say two years or so, two, three years, there's been this huge debate over crime in Harris County. Crime skyrocketed in Houston and Harris County. It skyrocketed all across the country. But when you really dig into it, one of the problems we've had is a massive court backlog, something caused by Hurricane Harvey and COVID and all the a bunch of other management issues going down in the courts in the DA's office. But we haven't had a significant addition of new courts in years, certainly haven't kept up with population growth. So I really think that adding this will help clear that backlog, keep the uh, amount of time that people have to wait before trial, bring it down, shorten that amount of time, less opportunity for new Uh, crimes to be committed while out on bail and really just get us back to a sense of normalcy. How will this also impact the Harris County jails, right? Because you said the time for trial Mm -hmm. will be a little bit quicker. That could help with the population inside the jail, which has been a big story as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We've had to pay to ship people to other facilities because the jail is overcrowded. I think if you have a quicker processing, which you'll get by adding new courts, you'll be able to shrink the number of people held behind bars pre-trial. You'll also give judges a little bit more flexibility to decide really who should be held behind bars and who shouldn't. I know there's pressure from some tough on crime folks to say, hey, judges are letting people go who shouldn't be let go. It's kind of hard to say let's detain more people when the jail is already overcrowded. My most overlooked story of the week, Houston Region Animal Welfare Organizations are teaming up to address shelter overcrowding, a problem that has plagued our region and our city for years. So 16 local animal welfare and municipal organizations have announced the formation of the Gulf Coast Animal Welfare Alliance. Now, why is this important? Well, Becky Best, the director of the new alliance, said that the underserved areas in our city and our region are the ones that are really feeling the weight 
of so many animals being on the street, right? With shelter overcrowding, you cannot get animals in. And now these animals are all over the street. So you can't even get to the bus without the fear of a dog coming up to you. By the way, our city once again led the nation in dog attacks for postal workers. So this is something that has impacted our city. And hopefully this new alliance will help lower the amount of animals on the streets and we can get them into shelters and hopefully adopt it as well. I love that. And actually, when you were talking about the heat wave, I was thinking about how it would impact the animals. Um, And so that's really great to hear. Any thoughts, Evan? You know, when I listen to candidates running for office, I'm always struck by the number who run and say the top issue they hear from voters is stray dogs, particularly uh, east of downtown. I think this is a major issue and we haven't leveraged the public resources necessary to really get at it. So the organization is going to be turning to the communities that are underserved in the coming weeks to find out what exactly they can do and they can start formulating a plan and start executing that plan as well so we can get some of these stray dogs, cats and other animals off the street and hopefully that community can benefit as well. All right, let's get to our moment of joy because it has been a long, hot week. Shiam, tell me what sparked some joy in your life. Well, actually, I started a new job this week. Nice. So I'm congratulations. Thank you. So excited about it. Love the new team that I'm joining. It's a remote job and it's a writing job. So very happy about it. And my friends and I are going to attend the Houston Dash game tomorrow. So excited. Um, Houston Dash makes me so happy. There's only seven women's soccer teams across the U.S., uh, like national soccer teams. Um, And we have one. And that's pretty freaking awesome. Nice. And that game is at 7.30 p.m. So good, GM. You're not going to be burning up too much. The sun will be setting probably in an hour or so. So it might be a little hot, but it is covered. The stadium is a little covered, so you should be okay. That's a good point. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited. Nice. That's going to be good. How about you, Evan? Uh, My moment of joy this week was reading Texas Monthly's Best and Worst Legislators list. You know, after every session, typically brought low. Texas hasn't had a good legislative session in a while. And while this one had the opportunity to do great things, particularly with the huge budget surplus, not a lot of good happened, mostly arguing about trans stuff. So being able to read Texas Monthly writers excellently praise or fillet legislators based on how they did always brings me a, a smile to my face. And particularly seeing mayoral candidate John Whitmire on their worst list was fascinating. I like to see how they reflect on Houston individuals. And so it's just a striking to me that a man who wants to be mayor of the city uh, is viewed as one of the worst legislators by the experts up in Austin. Wow, that is, I didn't know that he made that list as the worst. Anybody else stand out for you? Well, one of the best from Houston was Armando Wally, and they identify how he's able to work in the Democratic minority as a general ally of Republican leadership to be able to get things done while also stand up for issues that he feels are important without kind of getting himself kicked out of the tent, that he's able to navigate that narrow tightrope effectively. And I find that to be fascinating. Yeah, Armando Wally truly just cares about the people. I've had a chance to spend some time with him. And at the end of the day, it's not about him. It's all about the city. It's all about his constituents. And that is more that is more of what we need in the political space. 
By the way, Evan, speaking of Whitmire, did you know that our candidates for mayor actually had a forum about the arts uh, this past week? Like nobody's talking about this and it wasn't broadcast anywhere. Oh, I I know. And it's kind of ridiculous to me, I've got to say, to have the first big mayoral forum focus on the arts. Now, I love the arts. I'm a big arts fan. The arts are important. But it kind of feels like a second tier issue when you're running for mayor. You know, like maybe talk about the budget or flooding or community safety or the economy. But like the arts, I don't know. I question the idea of making that first. All right. My moment of joy. It's Father's Day on Sunday. So that means I get to go to the beach and relax in this 103 degree weather on Galveston. It's going to be great. By the way, Galveston Island State Park is now open again so i get to go back to one of my favorite parks in the area so hang out there we're also going to go check out the juneteenth mural that reginald adams painted so i want to go check that out we had an interview with him earlier this week on the podcast and he is so inspiring and i just want to go check it out and educate my daughter as well the eight-year-old because she's the only one that can learn about it right now um, just about how important juneteenth is to our region so i can't wait it's going to be a good day that is awesome. Evan, you actually, you're also a father and you have. Yes. Are you going to do any father things this weekend? Uh, I mean, I kind of feel like that my role as a father is to be stoic in these moments and just be happy with whatever <laughs> happens. Yeah. Just <laughs> don't set any expectations, right? With gifts or what, what's going to happen. Just go. It's another day. It's yeah. Father's Day. Every day's Father's Day. Exactly. Like. On Mother's Day, I try to make a big deal out of it or do something for my wife, and she kind of expects it. For Father's Day, I'm like, can you give me an extra 15 minutes to go to the garden? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Evan, happy early Father's Day. Shiam, thank you so much for joining us as well. Have a great weekend. Thanks, y'all. Talk to you later. That was Evan Mint and Shyam Galyon. You can find all of the stories we talked about in our show notes. That's all for this week on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producers are Carleon Jones and Elizabeth Kama. Our technical director is Noah Snyderman. Our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis. And the host is me, Raheel Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We're off Monday, but we'll be back on Tuesday with a guide to Houston's best burgers. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new.